0: Okay, so first thing I want to say, um, I'm Larry, for those of you who I haven't met or gotten to spend much time with, uh, this is my sister Angie, and um, today what we're doing is, it is really totally unscripted, so um, I don't usually get up here without knowing exactly what I'm going to talk about, um, so that feels very different, we got some nerves going on with that my sister sitting here with me and we're going to talk about some you know some good and beautiful and some challenging and crazy stuff um through the process so it's good you're sitting to my back over here so you won't see the emotion on my face as we're talking um (laughs) So, uh, so a couple things uh, I just want to say to kind of get us started today. Uh, this is a different format than we usually do. Every once in a while we'll do an interview style um, sort of thing, and, uh, but not super often. And so it's just a different kind of feel. It's going to be a different experience certainly for us up here and a different experience for you guys because you're listening in um, to some, uh, a unique kind of conversation. So we are. this is our second week in the Power of Art series. So we've got five or six, I don't, whatever it is, five or six Sundays uh, that we're dedicating to this series called The Power of Art. And what we're looking at is the way in which um, the role that art can, and I think is meant by God to play in our lives and in culture and caring for culture and nurturing culture in human experience and expression and emotion, uh, that art is something very unique and God intended it for, to be that way. Um, yet we don't always experience the power of art in our lives for various reasons. We're held back from that or not given opportunity or we're nervous or we don't know how to identify emotions or whatever. There's lots of different things that prevent us from engaging art. And and so what we're doing through the series is zooming in on different types of art and and creativity to get a glimpse of the power of art. Uh, and so last week, we just did a survey and like, got to experience in the room lots of different creative uh, folks doing different sorts of things, and just kicked off the series when we talked about uh, just the power of art and the introduction and the way we see it playing in uh, in scripture and God as a creative God and putting that creativity in us. Uh, so that was last week. Today, we're talking about um, healing, the power of art to heal. Uh, and so we're going to hear some from Angie and her journey Uh, And the way in which art has uh, really woven in and played a really significant part in her life. Uh, Next week, we're looking at, Matt's going to be talking about um, music and hip-hop and some different ways in which uh, there's a prophetic voice that comes through uh, that is art and comes through different sort of mediums. Uh, Who else? Margaret's going to be up here talking about literature. Uh, Alberto's going to talk about sculpture in a couple of weeks. So we're looking at different sort of forms of art. And I'm really excited because it gives people a chance, especially people who are passionate about this, to share their own journey. So we get to hear from artists. We get to explore and observe a little bit. uh, And hopefully God is going to use that to speak to us in some really uh, cool ways. So that's the kind of connecting us with this series. Uh, So some things I want to say just about this kind of a conversation. So everyday church, one of our values is emotionally healthy relationships. Um, God has called us to love one another well, to love our neighbors well. And to do that, we really need to invest in our own emotional health, in our emotional health as a community and as a family. And so we spend a lot of time talking about emotionally healthy things. We have classes and different things that we do. uh, And... It, it's essentially making us more aware and equipping us to love one another well, to have the kind of relationships that God wants us to have. So some of the uh, elements of emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationship. Uh, one is being a good listener. And uh, and so we're, I'm going to model that. I'm a listener today. I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to interject now and then and kind of draw things out. But you're getting to watch um, us attempt to be Good listeners. Um, another part of emotionally healthy relationships and emotionally health, being emotionally healthy is being in touch with our emotions. Um, most of us, I think this is true for most humans and probably most of us, we didn't grow up in environments that really helped us identify emotion and process and be aware of our own emotion, to be able to name emotion. What I'm feeling is sadness or hopelessness or whatever. We're not really very good at being in touch with our emotions. Well, if we're not in touch with our emotions, then it makes it very difficult for us to interact well and to love well because I don't really know what's going on inside of me when I'm running into tension or whatever it might be. So uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about is being in touch with our emotions and uh, the journey of that through the course of our life. Uh, Another part of emotionally healthy spirituality is uh, recognizing life as a journey. We don't become a Christian and arrive. There's not some point where we reach this moment of like, ah, I got it all figured out. Sometimes we think we do, and two minutes later we discover, oh, no, actually I didn't, Um, that this is a journey. It's a journey, it's a spiritual journey, it's a physical, an emotional, and a mental journey, a relational journey that we're on. And uh, God sees it that way, whether we do or not. And so he's nurturing us over the long course of our life to help us process through experience and relationship, and for him to speak into that journey in powerful ways. And art has a really big part to play for many uh, humans, and really, in a way, for all of us. Uh, And so we're going to use some journey language um, as we're talking today. So, all right, I think that's all the, like, preliminaries uh, I wanted to say. The other thing, and this is really a part of being emotionally healthy, is learning just to be present in the moment that you're in. Um, So I'm struggling a little bit to be fully present because of nerves and anxiety and all of you guys watching very intently um, as I enter into undescripted territory. So, you know, I'm struggling a little bit to be present. Uh, Angie, I'm sure, same sort of thing. She's going to share some some pretty powerful and deep stuff. And so being present and being calm. And so I would just like us all to spend a moment. I'm going to give us a minute. Close your eyes. Take some breaths. And just be here in the room present in your emotions and your body feel your feet on the ground feel your clothes against your skin take some deep breaths You can make some noise as you exhale pray for uh, for us, for Angie and I, and then we'll get started. So I'm already feeling the emotions. I just got present with something there. <laughs> Lord, uh, I am thankful for uh, just the way you have allowed us to journey this life together, that we're not alone, that you are with us and we share this journey with others, and uh, that's a real gift. Uh, I'm thankful to be a part of a church that's committed to loving one another well, to really doing the hard work of learning ourselves and learning about others so that we can love one another well and so I pray that um, there would be extra grace in the room as uh, Angie and I stumble for words as we um, we attempt to put into words things that we're thinking and feeling Uh, we have ideas and things maybe that we want to share I pray that we would hold those loosely that we would just be with you in this moment hearing from you and hearing uh, from you through uh, through others, through one another and through our stories and the way you want to to meet us and all of this stuff. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Whew, okay. Um, So this is my sister Angie. Angie uh, is 10 years or so uh, older than me so we weren't super close. I was little and she was growing up. And uh, as adults we've gotten to spend more and more time together and get to know one another and learn each other's stories because our stories are a little different, the journey of our lives, even though we grew up in the same home, the same environment uh and the reason that uh it, i felt like it was valuable for angie to be here and share with us was because of the uniqueness of her story and particularly the way god has used art and art has played a role in uh in her journey and uh and sometimes that's been challenging and painful and sometimes it's been beautiful and refreshing uh but we're just going to explore that um the journey angie's journey a little bit um and, uh, and let her kind of talk through some things. So I'm going to ask a few questions as we go, but mostly we're just going to kind of get into a conversation here uh, and let Angie share with her, you some of her journey. Uh, are you ready? You feeling good? You're good? Okay, so um, she reminded me of something I did want to say. So uh, I've ta- if you guys have been around um, and heard me talk about my childhood or my wife Wendy talk about uh, my upbringing, uh, we grew up in an abusive home, and so that was a part of our story, uh, was growing up in a place that wasn't safe, uh, a place that um, involved a variety of different types of abuse and pain that we experienced. And... Uh, you don't really know what to do with that when you're young and for most of us a lot of times you don't ever know what to do with it or at least I'm 40 whatever and I'm not always sure what to do with it so it's a part of the journey of growing up in that kind of environment it shaped us in some unique ways and so some of what you're going to hear is us uh, sharing or talking a little bit about that and the effect that had on, uh, on us so um, something that Angie mentioned as we were chatting she made the comment uh, sometime recently about a statistic of like one in three uh, people have some some sort of significant uh, type of abuse from when they were young. Uh, very precise types of abuse. One in three, that's the statistic. Uh, that means basically you're always with somebody who's experienced some kind of deep uh, trauma related to their childhood. Uh, that's just a reality of our world and of humanity. And so... Being aware of that as we're kind of walking through life, as we're having real conversations, we're being present with our emotions, um, respecting one another's stories, being good listeners, just kind of taking in uh, what people are saying uh, and allowing that to just inform our understanding. uh, perspective so we're going to get into some of that kind of stuff that's a little bit of that's a big part of the story uh, of journey for us and so um, that'll come up you'll you'll notice that but I wanted to let you know that this is all we talk about this everyday church we try to be very honest about uh, the realities of our stories and uh, and a part of that for a lot of people is, is traumatic uh, things that have happened through the course of their life uh, and so we're open we're honest about that it's not easy um, but it's important for us to kind of be aware of that. So, uh, so that's kind of a part of our conversation. All right, was there anything else I forgot to say? Okay, all right, good, thanks for reminding me. Uh, all right, so um, you, uh, so Angie, you were an artist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and art, uh, you started to experience art early in your life. I'm curious to just kind of talk about your earlier experiences and exposure yeah. to, um, to art.
1: Okay, so it was mostly in school. Just those classes that are offered in kindergarten and as you go along. And um, I don't know if it was junior high that I got to take a class that was just a smattering. This is so loud. Okay. There's just a smattering of art, anywhere from um, drawing or pastels or even into clay. So, And a little bit of sculpture. And um, I just realized that I enjoyed it. Uh, it felt good. It, I would say probably that my hands touching textures is maybe therapeutic for me. And um, so digging in is a big part of it and having my hands in it. And then I think in those days, I was just doing assignments. It wasn't about feelings or anything like that. But I would say that I, I just thought I was kind of good at it, you know, and basically that I enjoyed it. It was, um, I don't know, satisfying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at some point uh, in in the process, in the journey, um, art began to change for you. Yeah. So your early experience uh, was kind of formative in some different ways. But then art began to change yeah. what it was, what it meant, its purpose, mm-hmm. um, the role that it played in your life. So if you could yeah. use that to just kind of begin okay. to talk through your okay. story.
1: Yeah, so in my 40s, early 40s, I... This, the childhood journey of art was probably that there was a gift there, but my father was very critical, and um, it was never good enough. So, that, so I came away with this perfection sort of thing um, that actually was very painful and made me not want to touch art. Um, and yet, there was sort of a yearning inside of me for art. Um, so in my 40s, I started... I remember like on an Easter Sunday seeing some artwork... Um, flashing during communion and one painting in particular hit me really hard Um, and I had seen the painting before but what hit me was I hadn't noticed the details of the painting and maybe because it was cycling through you know through a long communion time and so I started having a conversation with God about the purpose of art. You know, what's the point? Um, because whatever that pressure was from childhood, I thought maybe I could create a master. Not really. <laughs> but, you know, it was like I was supposed to or something. And so I couldn't see that. I couldn't see a piece of art hanging in a gallery. You know, it was uh, it was unreachable. And so that pain was there. And then when I saw these pieces of art... Um, and I realized there was an under message to it, so I was sort of dialoguing that with God and saying, "What's the point of art? And what purpose does it serve? Did you make me an artist? And if so, why did you make me an artist?" And so, what I came away with was that He did create me to be artistic, and that it had nothing to do with a painting somewhere or you know any any sort of thing that would sell. It wasn't. It literally was never about that. It was somehow. Tied to my inner self. And, and that's probably the first thing that came to me. Now, in my 40s, so the way that um, traumas worked in my life is I blocked a lot of it. <laughs> we had nice little churchy words like strict and things like that. So I wasn't really in touch with it and put it somewhere. So in my 40s, I started um, having some restored memories. And um, they were rough. And they were really hard to face. Um, to the point that I would say that I had enormous despair, enormous hopelessness, and I couldn't imagine recovering. I couldn't imagine living with what I now remembered. And um, there was great anguish. You know, it's hard to breathe, hard to walk around, just hard to be. And um, it was hard to be nice to my poor family, you know. Um, and talk nice, and uh, there I have experienced rage in my life, you know, which I now sort of understand, hey, that was because of the crap, but, <clears throat> so anyways, art changed for me, there was a, a lovely lady that I met that was hearing all this anger, and she said, hey, you want to come over, you want to come over and sort of go in my garage and, and maybe do some art, And and I was like, whoa, you know, okay, sure, let's do that, and so, what we did, what she did, was she guided me through some, some very simple things, but they weren't simple. <laughs> but luckily, we, I was alone, and just she was in the room. So what, what she did was she had charcoal and newsprint, like a big sketch pad. And she she said, let's, let's draw anger. What's anger look like, you know? And I stood there frozen, thinking, I, you know, I don't know. I have a clue what anger looks like. I remember her sort of crumbling the paper, and tearing the paper, and saying, is that what anger looks like? And I was like, whoa, I can do that, I, you know, <laughs> with someone watching, I can do that, and, uh, and uh, she had some different tools, you know, some nails, and just some grudgy sort of things, and like, and uh, any, anyway, so so I started trying to make a mark on paper that said something about anger, and so you know, she, I think the next one she said was safety. Wow, that's a funny word right there, because <laughs> I felt like it was lacking in my world. And, uh, you know, but anyways, and then we moved into cardboard, and cardboard, you know, is thick. And you can tear, and there's texture under there, and it's just great, it was really fun to, to use these tools and dig in with this intensity that I was feeling. And then she moved me into a time where we were um, painting on cardboard. Um, and she w- turned on music, and I was supposed to make a mark that represented the music, which, again, it's like your cripple or For me, I was like, whoa, what is that? I have no clue. But I started making little marks, okay? And it felt good. It felt good. Um, I haven't been way into music, so that was a new experience for me, sort of cluing me in, how do you tech? Connect what that music feels like. You know, music can be like I remember one that felt like birds flitting about. You know, some flutes and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'll just make little <laughs> flitting marks, you know. And then I remember other pieces that were you know heavy and blah blah blah, and you know, and just deep. And I was like, okay, that feels dark. And so then I was attaching color. And it was just kind of all there, and I felt, oh, that's, that's probably dark blues and some black. And so if that makes sense, I was tapping in to emotions. Another thing that was really po- important about this is, to, you know, we all draw like this, and we write like this, and that is not what's being done in this type of work. It's fully extending your arm with a brush, you know, that's all that much longer. You're standing in front of this cardboard, and this is tapping into your emotions, which was the point. And, and so I couldn't just get up close. I was touching the paint. It was a big brush. So it's not like I was going to paint something detailed, you know. So it was about movement and feeling these feelings. So what happened after that was I had connected that with this early conversation that art was personal and art was for me. And I was coming away with um, that whatever this stuff is, that it's so heavy that God has given me art to draw it out. So what I was doing in those days was journaling, trying to pour out these feelings and the new memories, lots of different memories. And how do you pour that out? And so when I was sitting with my, my journal and it hit me, wait, God said art was a part of it. And so um, so I was like, well, fine. And plus whatever she, those tools were she had, I went ahead and set a space up. I had a, a spot for music, cardboard, paper, charcoal, And these paints so i was like well fine god if you really did that then i'll go to the garage but i have no clue what i'm doing so you better make it happen and that that really is how it went i didn't make it happen i was really surprised at the pieces that were produced and um some of the pieces early on were super literal like one that i did was a a gravestone you know, like a mound of fresh dirt, my name, my birth date, my death date. And uh, what I was journaling at that time was, I'm dead. I've been destroyed. There's nothing left. And it, there was this anguish, despair, hopelessness. Um, but when I went to the garage and I thought, okay, tombstone, that's kind of simple. wasn't real hard. A- and then I, I did that gravestone. And as I was finishing, like, the dirt, you know, on the grave, I thought, no, well, that feels really good, but actually I'm not exactly dead. I've been getting therapy. I am fighting. I am working hard to not be dead. And so then I, then I did the next sketch, and what I did was, like a, you can see from the back view of someone's hands coming out of the grave in the back of the head, like they're digging themselves out, a little bit morbid. But, but I thought, yeah, I'm fighting back, man. I'm not buried. I'm coming, I'm coming out of the grave. And as I was finishing that up and doing little curls on the gal's head, I thought to myself, no, you know what? I'm further than that. I'm further than that. And so I did the next sketch, which is me sort of like that on the side of, the, you know, my feet are in the grave, and there I am, you know. And so, you know, that was the progression. So I guess I would say that, you know, in the moment I was pulling out whatever, and it felt very true, and it felt very powerful, um, but it it still was like this journey because it wasn't enough it's like a one-time thing because when you're in there you're like whoa there's more there's more and it kind of it came to me so a lot of those pieces back then that i was doing was literally saying fine god here's this feeling i'll go to the garage and do art another piece this is an example of a piece where it wasn't literal okay it's look i had no intention of it being amazing right it's a piece of crappy paper (laughs) And that's the freedom, by the way. The freedom of cardboard and paper wasn't what I had lived with, a a canvas that someone might want to purchase. That's so much pressure. So as soon as I got on paper and the freedom of this, then something happened there. Um, So anyways, this piece um, was a lot of despair, hopelessness, a lot of darkness. A lot of blackness, you can see, so the, the white, the swirling white was done in gesso, which has a bit of pe- texture, it's not exactly paint, it stands up a bit. I was moving around, I was bringing in black paint, there might be some Indian ink in there, I don't know. But as I was moving through this, I think I had read, um, it's Ezekiel maybe, the Valley of Dry Bones, and, and um, another one where there was ashes, everything is ashes, all I see is ashes. That really resonated with me, and I thought, I've been destroyed. what did you mean for me to be? What did you create? Because someone made some choices in my life. And I'm not. This isn't beautiful. Surely that's not what you meant. And um, how do you recover? How would I pull through this? And so as I was doing this piece, it was feeling good. I was trying to pull some textures in. And it hit me that we had a fire pit with some ashes in it. And I was like, hey, well, I'll just throw some ashes on here. And then some other medium that was sort of a clear, goopy stuff. I don't remember the name. But anyways, that's, that's where that texture came from. So the pieces were often literal, and then they became not literal. And they felt good. They felt really good. So... You want me to pause, or you want me to go a little further? Yeah, I
0: had a bunch of thoughts while you we were talking. I'm sure okay. you guys did too. So I'm trying to think of, uh, to listen well, and also to uh, to kind of hear. Um, it is fascinating to think of, and uh, and maybe we all kind of do this one when we're thinking about art. We're thinking about the art museums and the art that's on the wall and what we would put up, and and it's almost as if. The, and I've talked to other artists that have dealt with this tension of like, is art about the person who views it or is it about what? the person who's creating it? the stuff on the walls seems as if that idea is, it's, this is about creating masterpieces for people to enjoy or invest mm-hmm. in or whatever. There's different motivations. But I don't think we often see art as like language for the artist. Like this is a way God gave you this thing to allow you to say some things through art that you couldn't put into words maybe you didn't even you didn't even have clarity of that thing until you were in that moment it sounds like there were moments where you're like hold on a second i'm feeling this or this is real in me this art is giving me a chance to say that yeah the the way you described the kind of coming out of the earth almost like that you were being encouraged by hold on a second i i was there but i'm not there now i'm here hold on i'm not there now i'm you know, you're even learning. It's not like, like you're learning about yourself through the process.
1: Yeah. I think that trauma is probably, well, it feels unique. There's this, it's a twirling in, in me, I would say that's a twirling of thoughts and emotions of what, what had happened, how I responded or didn't respond. You're just like, why did, you know, you're just, it's like a Rubik's cube. You're like, if I could just figure this out, I'd feel better. That's what it felt like to me. So it's, it's a swirlingness inside of myself that really never gets better. It didn't. It wasn't getting better. So, yeah, as soon as I was moving into this, then I, it's kind of like saying, if you know, you look at that and you're like, whoa, yeah, that's how I feel. Holy crap. Yeah, it just really felt good and it, it makes you want to do a little more. You know, and it frees you up to think hey i can I can do this i can I can look around and see what's there and do that and it's just it's like it's being birthed maybe, mm-hmm. and it's a battle it's it's very it it was good it was really good
0: it's cool to see how even this as you're talking about it in your body language like how real this was as a part of you processing yeah. your experience as you are entering a season in your life where you're remembering things yeah. that they've always been there, but they're kind of new to you, a yeah. new awareness of yourself and experience, and art is coming right alongside of that to give some language.
1: La- yes. So language is a good word. It is articulating. Mm, yeah. Because that's, that's part of the problem Is is what is that emotion and what is, you know, there's betrayal, there's devastation. There's all kinds of, strong words in there, but how do you articulate it? Mm. And um, anyways, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that went. What happened next was I, I decided to take a class at college and um, just kind of see, what do you, you know, is there something there and, and should I do something with it? And I, there was a point where um, assignment was due that I wasn't able to accomplish because I still was in this turmoil. <clears throat> and I was still going to the garage and painting on cardboard and feeling those feelings. Um, so I just went up to the professor and said, "Hey, I did not get that assignment done. I have been working on art, but it's not the assignment you gave." And so he said, "Well, bring in your cardboard. Let me let me see it," um, which was not easy. <laughs> this is the first time someone saw my twirling, swirling. Darkness, right? And uh, he was—he was like, "Yeah, let's let's do this one. Let's turn it in." But what happened then was I gave him a peek at my trauma. So what started then was him saying, "Hey, you, what is a line?" So you know, if you're drawing or you're drawing a line, writing a line, we think that's a line. Maybe it's faint, maybe it's strong, but he or or heavy. But he said, "Let's study line, and and how line can express which." Blew me away. And so he, what he suggested was to study old masters. So um, what he wanted me to, to pull away from this was how a person put a line on paper. Okay? So this guy is, um, I'm not going to say his name, um, Italian. And his, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say the name. And so this is just a, f- uh, a number of minutes spent copying Okay, so you're seeing line that isn't heavy, it's light, okay, it's moving, it's not straight, and when it's the folds of the gown, you can see that it's, you know, curved or whatever, we're calling it a line. You might notice that some lines don't continue. It's not one solid line, it's a broken line, but you still are getting the form of those folks. Um, this is Michelangelo. Uh He His line was somewhat light, and then it, it sometimes it was heavier, hmm? Yeah, yes. and, and, um, and so he also did a lot of shading, which is a fuzzy line. Or, you know, whatever you want to say. There's different ways to do this. This is, I don't know, Masio or whatever. And this guy, look at that. I mean, I think he's using charcoal. He's putting a very heavy line down, okay? So you're getting the feel. I have no idea who this is. But this is someone else who's done a line, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There we go, okay. <laughs> I'm So sorry. Um, yeah, I'm not good at this. Uh, but anyways, do you see that there's different ways to put line down? So the professor was wanting me to sort of go into a place of studying line and the freedom of line. And um, so I gave it a go. And so I started to, you know, I'm, I'm wanting line to express pain. That's where I'm going for, to sort of pull out this pain. So I started a series, or just, I just, it wasn't a series. I just tried to give it a go mm-hmm. and lay my charcoal on its sides, do thin lines. I don't know how I fuzzy that, probably with a sponge, right? Mm-hmm. Just different lines, right? Like, how do you make a line, and what does the line say? I like this one. This is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of a journey in line, you know, Heavy lines next to light lines, whatever. And, yeah, so that's how that went. And then as that went along, you, you know, that's flat, right? So somewhere in there, I was moving into paint. And then when you're painting, you know, how do you express a line? And should the line be raised? Should it have some texture to it? And so, and are there lines that are angry? And one thing I did in this, in this series right here... I can't grab, is just, um, is just different sort of lines, Um, well, one, i tell you what, this cracked me up, Um, I used Elmer's glue to write the word grace in the back of this painting, and it just beat it up, you know, it doesn't go away, so uh, that was fun, I might have done it on this the first time, and so, and you can see the scratching, so I've added, I think I added some sand in this one, I wanted a raised line, so basically, what's a line? Can a line express what I'm feeling? And then texture. Can texture make it come out a little more, which felt really good. It was fun to gouge that and do whatever. And it felt like it matched mm-hmm. the inside.
0: I'm sorry, I'm going to interject a thought. Yeah. Uh, so I, this was from a book, I, some silly fantasy book I read years ago, but the author was talking about emotion, and he made the comment um, that tears, in his case, he wasn't talking about art, but he was talking about t- that tears exercise emotion, so exercises and get it out, mm-hmm. tears exercise emotion, that if it's not exercised, it, it embitters us, it, it stays mm-hmm. in us, and whatever, and you keep saying words like pulling out, or, yeah. you know, like, that this process was exercising it was drawing out things that had been trapped in there for long many many years and not complicated things but just this process unique process of sort of art drawing exercising drawing out pulling out
1: yeah yeah, very much it it did feel like a stretching and uh it it was a it was a painful thing And, and interesting enough it's interesting how do people respond to trauma like i presented that series of four paintings and there was a sweet, young girl in the class. I was 40. I, mean, I was older than everybody. So sweet, young girl, they happened to do mine at the beginning. And there's a proper way to critique art, and she broke those rules. But I'm, I'm a big girl, and I can handle it. But here's what she said. She goes, oh, who would ever expect, express grace like that? Like she was so offended. So she obviously has some background in understanding grace. And it's ha- her painting, by the way, when we got to it, was pretty and pink and happy. Yeah. And I... <laughs> And I was thinking to myself, well, honey, I'm glad that you don't understand why that is what that looks like. I am. I'm glad. I'm glad you don't understand. However, that is real. And, you know, this story, whatever this means, there's one here with a woman in it. You know, it's dark. Um, It's dark because it's my story. Well, Okay. So this one, I put a female form. So I would say that it really wasn't okay to be a woman, not in my home. And it wasn't safe, yes. It wasn't safe at all. So I was, so here you've got the word "grace," you've got a dress that's that's like maybe a sexy shape of a woman, right? And I'm saying, "Well, that ain't okay." And then some red slashes and some marring to express what is true for me. And um, when it's all said and done It's true. It's sad, but it's true. And it's super powerful. It's super meaningful. The world doesn't necessarily get to see those. Um, But for me, well, I guess there's the part where it's not safe to share your trauma and how people handle it. Um, And yet it needs to be expressed. And one thing that has sort of come to me over the years is if I cut my finger or I broke my leg, you would likely rush over and try to take care of me. You'd you'd give me a bandage. You maybe need to get me to the emergency room. You would be so sweet and so kind, and you would take care of me. A stranger on the street, you would, right? If someone else wasn't doing it, you would. Trauma is inside. It's twirling. And you look at me and you go, hey, that's what Angie looks like. She's mostly happy, you know, whatever. But you don't know what's swirling inside of me. You can't offer me what I might need, what I might want. And so there's a trapped sort of part where it's in there and people may not get you. And maybe you can't be present because of the trauma. It's just too much. It's, it's drowning. And it's overwhelming. and um, So it, it feels good then, I guess, to, to get that out and to realize, yeah, that's what I feel like. And um, that's why I messed up. I want to say fucked up. Can I say that? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, you know that's why I'm having such a hard time because of there you go. You can see it. It's rough. When I moved into pottery, that changed things. Okay? I I learned how to throw a pot that looked like a vase, that looked a plate, a bowl, whatever. And so I was sort of over the, you know, y- yay, I got it. So then at that point, I told myself could a pot, have line, and have movement, and express what I was feeling. And so at that time, um, an act of violence was committed against a family member. And um, the turmoil in our home was incredible. And it wasn't just, my ter- wasn't just the survivor's turmoil, right? There was all these ways of getting medical help. What do, how do you help this person? That's a great turmoil, and for a mom, that was incredible, and I felt these things very deeply. But then there's boys in the house. How did they feel, and why weren't they the protectors? And young boy, young boys, it's in there, right? But they weren't able to do that. They didn't see it coming, right? And then the father, the pain of the father, that wants to break kneecaps and maybe kill someone, and turns out we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, there's great anguish and great pain. So when I came to these pots, I wanted to express this turmoil. I wanted to express despair, hopelessly, a lot of anger. Um, I wanted to express the dis- this great destruction that has fallen on my family. And, and so when I went to do these pots, I definitely did some research on the internet. It's like, how do you do that? How do you express brokenness? So like this pot in particular. So I threw it and I thought, well... Uh, It needs, you know, a lot of vases. You see, they have a real nice edge. You can drink out of them, you know, it's really nice. And I'm like, no, I want to break that. I want a broken edge, you know. And if you come up to look, you'll see, I really broke it a lot. And then at some time, I thought, you know, you look at it and you're like, that's good, I like it. And then I thought, you know, there's this strain and this stretching and this pulling out that feels like it's happening to the family, to me. Um, And so I, after it was firm, not totally dry, then I put my hand inside, and I did some forcing out, you know, is what I thought was happening to all of us, Mm. and, um, and then I approached it as if it were the person that had done this, which is, you know, a little ugly, but hey, I, you know, that's how I was feeling, so I looked at it, and the thought... You know, I'm trying to think, how do I do this? Because there is some of that. How do you do this? How do you express this pain? And so I thought, well, let's just pretend that that's this person right there. And so I thought to myself, I've got these tools. I've got knives and gouging tools. And I thought, that's what's happened. So, I mean, I would want to hurt the, hit the, never I don't hit, right? But I want to hit the person. I want to gouge and I want to tear and I want to cut. And so, as I was making these marks, they were even more satisfying than these others because they were digging away as if what someone had done to my family, and to myself. And um, and so that's sort of how this happened. This one too. So these are these. You then uh, you then move on. You know. You can tell that later you're picking up color. It's sort of like this this journey of of what to do. And so. You know, I'm, I also loved it. I'm like, let's do another. So I did another. And, you know, and I kept, it just was feeling so good and meaningful and, and real. And so then at some point, you know, you're, I know all these different ways to fire things. These I wanted a fire that would express pain. So not your normal firing. And so what I did was I put them in a gas kiln. And, um, and then you injected ashes into the kiln. So I didn't dip them in any color, any glaze to create a color. So when the ash hits the glass, it, or, or with the, the fire, you know, when it, it's the right temperature, then it turns the glass and it falls. Hmm. Okay. So I really didn't know what I was going to get, but this is what I got. Hmm. So it was, it was pretty cool. I I'd seen other people do it. So uh, this particular one, again, you know, brokenness. You can see, right? I've really broken this pot. I've really broken this pot. Hmm. This one I put in a in a f- wood fire. So, you know, stacked wood on top of it wasn't treated lovely, right? And then more cracks happened and different colors. But ashes seemed to resonate Mm. with the destruction that I was feeling. So
0: So this makes me think, um, we talked earlier about where art is, like is it about you as an artist expressing or is it intended for an audience and for sale or whatever? And it just made me think like... you can just kind of speaking from your own experience if somebody sees this stuff and is exposed to it as the opportunity to kind of observe it what is what is like helpful for you as the artist so if I walk up and I'm like Ew, that's gross or whatever that's probably not particularly helpful is there a way in which we as observers of art can do that in a way that honors the journey? Mm-hmm. that I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Well, I mean,
1: I've experienced it, right? I mean, yeah. I experienced it last week. So this this stuff is like stuff that's in a closet. So it was, it, you know, in the, was the Midwest. It's, yeah. it's a, you don't talk about trauma. <laughs> and maybe your faith is lacking if you have trauma or something like that. It doesn't feel very good in in that place. So this hasn't been shown. So last week was more of an example to, well, it was just it was it was amazing because what I experienced was people who knew why I produced that piece of work, they they got that I had been someplace so, painful.
0: So people that came up and looked and were like, I, I sense what's going on here.
1: Yeah, and just had questions and maybe about the freedom of of this sort of expression, and then what do you do with the work later, and um, that really resonated.
0: So it sounds like, so I'm trying to think of for us, just as observers of art, when we're approaching this, you can correct me if I'm saying this, it's trying to verbalize this, when we're approaching someone's creativity or someone's art, recognizing that that's probably a part of their journey. It's their story. They probably haven't Mm -hmm. arrived in this moment where they're expressing this thing. They're trying to communicate something. Something is trying to get out. And we can react negatively or positively, but the more helpful reaction may be just being curious. Like, what does this yeah. say about this person? What must their yeah. experience be like to be drawn to create something like right. this? Uh, and just respecting the, the creative yeah. uh, person in what, that sort of journey that's happening. Yeah. Right. So um, um, we're, we're, we could talk for a long time. Time is flying by. Okay. Um, so when we do this kind of conversation, one of the things that we do at the end is just kind of ask you, take a moment, reflect on kind of what you've shared. And what's the one thing, if there's one thing we hear, what's the one thing that you would really hope that we would hear today? So you can take a moment if you need, or if it comes to you, just go. I
1: might like to say two things.
0: <laughs> okay, two. What two things would you want us to hear?
1: Well, the, the shocker for me would be that God journeyed beside me in these pieces. I didn't accomplish these on my own. There was prayer. You know, there was anguish and prayer that was being lifted up. Not pretty prayer, per se, you know, but a desire to express the inner self. And he was very present. So I met a God who helped me express that inner thing and journeyed beside me. And so that's pretty precious. Mm -hmm. That was was pretty amazing. Um, Pretty powerful. The other thing... I guess I'd want to say is, I- you know, if you're thinking of anything like this, is t- just the idea that it's, it's a form of expression. So if stuff is trapped, it, I believe it will turn into bitterness. I've seen bitterness in me, um, and um, and so if there's some way to express it, like again, you hear me? It's paper and cardboard. Mm. Just think real practically, paper and cardboard. The world doesn't have to see it, mm. but if you can express it. And just choose to be in that space with that thing that you're that's hurting you, and and just try to express it, whether it's literature or something else. There's so much. There's so much beauty in the expression. I mean, people have been real kind, but some of this are just sketches, right? They're some of the stuff you saw is just not well done art. You know, those early sketches, the literal stuff, and um, but yet for me. It was super rich and it it um, it was healing.
0: So this r- this idea that God was present with you and you were learning to be more present in yourself with your own experience and yes. and then art giving language and form to yeah. the things that you needed to express and get yeah. out. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Ange. I appreciate yeah. it. So um So we haven't talked about scripture or looked at passages from the Bible uh, in our conversation so far. But um, trust that as a church, we do that regularly. We're constantly diving in and looking at how we see these things uh, expressed through scripture as God is uh, and sometimes interrupting people's lives, but certainly coming alongside of humanity. Uh, I have a psalm. If a couple of you could hand out this, um, this for me. I want to help him. Caleb, what's up, bro? Um, so I want to just give us a few minutes, and you can read down. This is Psalm 42. It's um, you spend much time uh, processing through different parts of Scripture, and uh, you get into poetry and figurative language and storytelling and things that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, but ways in which humans were attempting to give language in the same way that Angie was doing that through this, these forms of art, you, we see people in scripture living difficult, painful experiences and expressing that in words uh, or attempting to put that into figurative language or paint pictures with their words or whatever. So this psalm is one of those types of psalms. Uh, it was an attempt by uh, the writer, the lyricist, to put into words words things that were going on sometimes things that we would say aren't safe to say are we allowed to ask questions or be mad with God or whatever but you can read down through that psalm or you can flip it over and not look at it at all and just I would just want to give us a couple of minutes to just listen to what's going on inside of you right now be present with yourself and maybe God's got something he wants to communicate to you maybe you've already heard it and you just need to write it down or acknowledge it. But just give us a few minutes to sit still and to be present and allow God to um, to show up for us. So. Lord, I, um, I see words, uh, certainly in things that Angie shared, uh, part of our conversation, um, that are just really raw and words that maybe we've been told we're not allowed to say or talk about, or types of emotions, anguish, and uh, these things that are going on inside of us, but we don't maybe feel safe to express, uh, or maybe weren't given permission, or we're told it was wrong to let this kind of emotion out, and yet you met Angie in a very real way, in helping her become aware of what was going on inside of her, and being present with her through that, uh, and, and even you, crea- you created creativity. You created this part of us that is able to express in really unique ways what's going on inside of us. You made that, God. You've given us these sort of creative ways and paths and these art forms and mediums that can be as simple as chalk on a wall thousands of years ago or a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever, like ways for humans to express things going on inside of us hopes and dreams certainly but also the darker parts of our experience as humans you created that you've given that to us and i'm very thankful to hear um of that in angie's life and i i listen looking at this psalm the writer here asking god why have you forgotten me my my soul is downcast and disturbed. These are, and the Psalms are full of this kind of language, God. We get to see people expressing realness and truth of what's going on inside of them. And I'm thankful for that because there are days where I don't feel so good inside. And, and I, I, don't, I need to be able to express that. And I see you as a God who loves me enough that you want me to express that. And you're present with me in the midst. And so I pray that you would just give us language, that you would give us permission, that you would give us examples like Angie and others who are walking in front of us and ahead of us, showing us a way to be real and to express what's going on inside. Um, Lord, I, um, I appreciate your gentleness and your patience and your mercy that walks with us, that you are a God of mercy present with us that you say mercy triumphs over judgment mercy wins god and you are that kind of a god and i am thankful for that and i pray that we would experience you as a god of mercy and that as we go through this series on art and we learn from uh, our different uh, artists and creatives and teachers here up here that we would just get a glimpse into what you're up to and the way you are Uh, the gifts you've given to humanity and our creativity, ability to create and the permission that you've given us and the abundant grace that you have for us, that you see our pain and heartache better than we do and you've given us ways in which we can process and express that stuff. Lord, uh, I pray that you would walk with us, be present with us in a way that we haven't experienced and known in the past. We love you and we're so thankful for this family, for this place, for these people you've given us and for your presence, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Angie.